Well, hello there, and welcome to episode 11 of the Musical Connections podcast. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we got a fun episode lined up for you this week. We're going to be talking with Juno Award-nominated graphic designer extraordinaire Judd Haynes. And I got to tell you, this was such a fun conversation to have with Judd. We talked about his entire career from playing bass in bands such as Bucket Truck, such as Bucket Truck and Winter Sleep, to the array of albums that he has worked on for the likes of The Punters, for Hey Rosetta, for Shanigan Nuck, for Alan Doyle, for Blue Rodeo, for Chris Hadfield, and for the various TV shows he's worked on, such as The Misses Downstairs and Son of a Critch. That'll be coming up right after this week's new found releases, and we're going to start with Calgary, Alberta residing, but Torbay born Greg Bolger. He has a brand new song out right now. Here it is with Falling Over You on new found releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Girl, I can't think right Can't seem to find my groove Cause you're living in my mind No chance you're gonna move I know you're playing it safe But let me prove to you Just name the time and place Hey girl, it's up to you You got me tripping over here I'm falling over you You're everywhere I go In everything I do Head over heels Been putting me through, see why for a good time. Playing games with the way you move. Will you give it to me straight? Come on, just tell me the truth. Ain't got the time to waste. Girl, what you wanna do? Why you wanna break my heart like that? Keep me running on this track. Ain't no way I'm gonna get it back. No, you got me, you got me, you got me tripping over here. I'm falling over you, you're everywhere I Everything I do, head over heels again. So cut up on you, you got me tripping over here. I'm falling over you, falling over you. I'm still falling over you. going to St. John's-based Ian Foster. He is a name that many people associate here in Newfoundland and Labrador with uh, producing many albums for many musicians here in the province and some of his great solo work and also with his partner Nancy Hines. Well, this next single comes from his upcoming film slash music album Close to the Bone. Right now, here is Pre-Existing Condition on newfound releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Quarter, talking doom and gloom 
Great tune there from Ian Foster. That is pre-existing condition. And right now, let's go to Labrador-based artist Richard Neville. He released the brand new album self-titled this past Friday at the Rocket Room in St. John's. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go to it, but I'd imagine it was a great show. Right now, here's a tune from him that we all need to take more of, Easy Days. Here it is right now on Newfound Releases as part of the Musical Connections podcast. Where did our time go? Time go we could have saved a little along the way Where did our time go? Time go How we spend it hard Even on the easy days Was it something we just killed? Or let slip away Like a wounded bird Flying blind into the night With a voice that remains unheard But could you tell me time Where did you go? Where did our time go? Time go If we could have saved a little along the way Where did our time go? Time go, we spend it hard, even on the easy days. All those bridges that we burned, can we build them all back again? All those lessons that we learned, is there somewhere in between to make amends? Could you tell me, time? Where did you go? Where did our time go? Time go If we could have saved a little along the way Where did our time go? Time go Spend it hard, even on the easy days. Well, how we spend it hard, even on the easy days. Oh, how we spend it hard, even on the easy days. up newfound releases and we wrapped it up there with a great tune from richard neville that is easy days and uh one of my favorite days to record a conversation was with this guy we're going to be talking now to juno award nominated graphic designer judd haynes he has worked on many albums over his past uh two and a half decades at it he has worked on albums for the likes of the punters blue rodeo chris hatfield fortunate ones alan doyle shanaganuck Hey Rosetta, you name it, he has worked on it. And we're also going to be talking about the uh, whole concept of the Kuba Songs album, which took about 400 plus hours for him to complete, and it was all done on paper. And if you happen to buy the vinyl record for Kuba Songs, you'll really see how much detail went into that album. And uh, overall, this is just a fun conversation to look back on Judd's career as a whole. So here's my conversation now on Musical Connections, as we are next to connect with Judd Haynes. Alrighty, welcome back to the Musical Connections Podcast. I'm Zach Snow, and joining me right now 
You may be familiar with this guy if you've ever bought an album and you look at the liner notes, you may look at the sleek and clean design that this guy does for many artists, such as the likes of The Fortunate Ones, for Alan Doyle, for Shanigan Nuck, and also for artists like Blue Rodeo and Chris Hadfield for Once Upon a Time. He has done a lot of work in graphic design over the past two decades and has also done stuff for TV shows such as the current uh, hit produced out of Newfoundland and Labrador, Son of a Critch. He is also up for a Juno nomination for his work on the Kubasonics album, Kuba Songs. And if you buy the vinyl record, you'll see how much work and detail is in that album cover. And uh, joining me right now is graphic designer extraordinaire. He is also the host of his own podcast, Art Design Music, the one and the only Judd Haynes. Welcome to Musical Connection, sir. Yay! Happy to be here. So happy. <laughs> and uh, it's great to have you on, my friend. And um, uh, it's kind of crazy that two podcasters are talking to each other. And I'm a podcaster, and I'm interviewing a podcaster. Small world, huh? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, uh, before we get to uh, your Juno nomination, uh, first things first, congratulations once again, and uh, you most definitely deserve it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was a very fun, fun project. A lot of work and a lot of, a lot of fun went into it. So uh, aside from that, how are things in uh, the world of Judd Haynes right now? They're good. They're starting to get busy again. You know, at the beginning of uh, COVID, everything slowed right down because all my work for years and years has always been for the music industry. And of course, when COVID hit and all the work kind of dried up because all the bands stopped touring and stopped recording and everything for a short time. And uh, so uh, for a little while there, I didn't have much going on. And now I'm very happy to be kind of sliding back into full swing and working on lots of records and lots of tour posters, kind of getting back at it. Absolutely. And uh, of course, I do deal with you uh, in a work sense because uh, you've actually done some work for the Newfoundland and Labrador Folk Festival, which uh, I'm on the board of directors for the Folk Art Society for. And I can say you do an absolutely fantastic job on those posters. And uh, you're really a go-to person when it comes to uh, poster design. Oh, thanks. Yeah, the, I mean, the Folk Festival posters, the artwork on them, the illustrations are created by Caroline Clark. And um, her, she does the illustration every year, and then they basically pass the illustration to me. And I, I for the most part, just do the layout on those. But um, for a, a festival poster, there's so much content that has to go onto the poster that uh, I, it's still a challenge, even though I'm not creating the physical artwork. Mm. It's still a, a real challenge to kind of make those look as good as I can. Yeah, and also uh, you and Caroline are a really good team. I mean, she makes amazing uh, character designs, uh, especially for the past uh, couple of uh, folk festivals. And then you to put that on uh, a poster, it's just uh, incredible to see. Yeah, it's an honor for me. Her work is beautiful, and it's really fun getting to work with another person's uh, artwork. Um, for a change, because for the most part, I'm always just using my own. So it's kind of a fun challenge to be past art that someone else has created and then figure out how to tool it into all the different formats that it needs to happen. Because I mean, we put that on beer cans and like all sorts of different like backstage laminates. And so anyway, it's been a lot of fun. I've been working with the Folk Fest off and on really for like more than a decade now. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and there was, there's been some years where I, I created the artwork for the posters as well. Um, but once we, I think once we, we got Caroline to do one one year, then that just hit, and it was like, this is where we need to be. And she's she's created the illustrations for them every year since. And she does, once again, a phenomenal job on that. Now, um, of course, uh, you received a Juno Award nomination for Album Design of the Year, and that is your work on the Kubasonics' uh, most recent album, Kuba Songs. And uh, you, may, you won't be able to find the detail on the CD, but if you buy a vinyl record at your favorite local record stores, uh, Fred's Records, I'm shouting you out right here, um, you can really see how much work and detail you uh, put into this album. And I believe you spent about 400 plus hours on this album. So uh, how does it feel to be nominated for a Juno? Uh, it feels amazing. It's kind of like a real acknowledgement that all the work and the willingness to do something different is uh, is worth it in the end. You know, that's a big a big thing with like working on a record like this. It's like I... I knew it was a special record. Like the band are a very special band. Oh yeah. Uh, their their music's amazing. Their live show is incredible, and they're just the most wonderful people. The fact that like three of the band members are family is like there's just so many reasons why this is a, the most special band. And so I wanted to do something very special for the artwork, and I poured 
so much into it. I mean, 400 plus hours, like you said, is like, that's, that's, it's just an insane amount. I've never worked that much on any one project ever in my life. And uh, I'm really, really, really happy with the Juno nomination. It's very exciting. Um, if it hadn't happened, it, the project is still 100% worth it on every level. But uh, it's a nice little cherry on top of the Sunday. That is amazing, man. And uh, just from the overall illustration and design of the album, how'd you come up with the idea for the uh, illustration and, des- and uh, design of the album in general? The artwork that's in the cover... Uh, largely, a lot of the themes that are represented in the illustrations uh, come from the lyrics that are in the Kubasonic songs. And it's kind of exciting. Like, Brian, a lot of these are traditionally Ukrainian folk songs that the Kubasonics have essentially rearranged and turned into their own versions. Um, you know, they, they kind of refer to themselves as speed folk and because their music is so lively and so upbeat. So they've taken some songs that are 100, 200, 300 years old, and they've revamped them and turned them into like almost like upbeat party punk songs and uh, which is really fun and so i don't speak ukrainian but thankfully the band does and uh they were able to like tell me all the stories behind all these songs and so many of the songs refer to like farm life living off the country having respect for the land and back and forth and like actually like growing growing your own food and having livestock, and then there's all sorts of funny stories about, you know, marriage and relationships and things like that. So I drew upon the lyrics to create um, all the little pieces that are seen in the artwork. Like there's a mouse and a horse, and there's these um, these sausages, uh, kubasa sausages that wrap around the outer frame of the artwork that are a big part of... Um, Polish and U- Ukrainian culture, as well as the, the, that sausage in particular, is kind of the starting point of where the Kubasonics even got their name. And uh, so, and then there's just a bunch of different things, like the big sun that's represented in the dead center of the artwork is a Ukrainian symbol for the sun. And especially when you get into these older heritage songs, the sun is a huge part of like having a healthy growth season for a good harvest, and you know, and all this stuff. So. The Kubasonics have used that particular sun symbol on multiple record covers in the past, so I just thought it would be really fun to bring it bring it back around again and use it again here. Um, but the idea to do the whole piece as a paper-cut piece of artwork was something that I've had for a while. I've actually been sitting on that idea for a number of years. Wow. And I needed the right band to do it for. And I never knew who that band was. Like, like I've been wanting to do a multi-page paper-cut record cover that would then get like stapled and the co- the booklet would get glued onto the cover of a record, which is what we did with the Kubasonics record. Um, I've been wanting to do that for a number of years, but I always knew like a major record label or something like that would never do it because it would cost too much money to manufacture. It would take too long. Like all the things that we encountered with making this, I knew that a major label would never touch it. So I needed to find the right band. I needed to find a band that was exactly the right fit. And it was so funny in this particular instance because that style of paper artwork is a Ukrainian art form that's been around for hundreds of years. Oh, wow. Like this, yeah, paper cut, like cutting paper to create images like this is, it started in, in the uh, Ukraine and Poland like multiple hundreds of years ago. And it's still a very prominent um, art form in Ukraine. And the Kubasonics, members of the band, have friends and family back home in Ukraine that create this style of artwork. And uh, so it just, remember I said it was like I was waiting for the right band to come along when when they, these guys approached me and said, you know, do you want to work on an album artwork for me? I was like, oh, this is the right band. This style of artwork is from their country and as are the songs that are going to be on this record. And it was like, there's never been, I knew I was hanging on to this idea for the right reason. So, worked out great. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now, uh, personally for me, I hope that uh, it does win Album Artwork of the Year, but uh, it has some pretty tough competition uh, for that uh, Album Artwork. But uh, to even be considered for a Juno Award for uh, an album that you really put so much time and effort into, it really is worth it in the end, right? Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Like you said, it's not it's not the reason you do it by any means. But it's so 100% worth it. And, and yeah, I mean, I obviously realize that it's like I'm up against Lights and up against Tegan and Sarah. And it's like, yeah, there's some big names in this category. And, uh, you know, whether the Kuba Songs record can 
shine above them all, who is yet to be told. We'll, we'll know in another month and a half, but um, yeah, it's exciting. And, and I was nominated for uh, a design, for an album design I did years ago, back in 2005, with my friend uh, James, James Mejia from Toronto. And so we did a record together and submitted and got nominated. And that year we lost to the Tragically Hip. They put out this amazing box set that year. And, wow. Uh, and it blew what we had done away. Like, it absolutely should have won. Uh, but it's like, I, I mean, I realized that getting nominated is exciting, and you need to really, really relish that, because just mm-hmm. being nominated doesn't mean you're going to win. Yeah, I've known that for the past, like, three or so years, being up for Media Person of the Year and up against giants like Greg Smith and Amanda Muse and Chris Badstone. But just to be mm-hmm. even in that conversation of uh, being the best at something that you love doing, it really is an honor. Exactly. Now, um, of course, uh, graphic design really wasn't uh, what you got into music for, uh, I would imagine. But um, I want to go back uh, to your early days, because uh, you were born and bred here in St. John's, right? I was actually an army brat as a kid. I uh, My father was in the military, so I moved around all the time. I was actually not born in Newfoundland. Um, oh, really? I was, I was born in Nova Scotia, but even I only ever spent 11 months there before I was like shipped off. <laughs> you know, my first first move to Germany, and then we came, after a few years in Germany, we came back to Canada. I never spent more than two or three years in any any town or city until uh, we moved here when I was 14. And um, and then I basically grew up here. So I consider myself 100% to be a Newfoundlander, and uh, I hope that other people do too. And um, let's say, but I basically moved here right before grade 10, and uh, all my formative, you know, years... First time you get in trouble with the cops. First time you try beer and all that kind of stuff. Oh, all wow. happened here, so it's like I consider that I grew up here and am from here. Yes. Yeah, and we're certainly proud to have you here. Uh, and you're most definitely a Newfoundlander here, Judd, and really one of the best we've got. Now, um, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I truly mean that. Now, um, what drew you to music? Uh, <laughs> it's funny. No one's ever asked me that before, and um, it's kind of funny how I got my lines into music was going into grade 10, like after just moving to Newfoundland. Uh, I went to Gonzaga and my first day of school, you get to pick your classes. Mm-hmm. And like grade 10, you get to pick a certain amount of, amount of electives. And in this one period, I, I got to, I had to pick a course for. And there was only three options. One of them was French, which I was terrible at. And really, if I could avoid it, I wanted to. <laughs> one was power mechanics which I was afraid of and because I knew I would be terrible at that as well. Um, so I wanted to avoid that. And the third one was music performance. And I did not know how to play an instrument. Um, and I just took that one because I honestly thought that would be the most interesting one as well as probably the easiest one. And I uh, loved it, loved every minute of it. This was a class where everybody in the class was supposed to already know how to play. Mm. And the music performance part was actually like working as an ensemble, essentially like creating a band or working with an orchestra kind of thing. And I had no idea how to play a note of any instrument, but I walked in there and bluffed my way through the whole year. Oh, wow. And, uh, and I fell in love with it all. By the end of the year, I was playing in a band and never looked back, basically. But that's how I got started. And, you know, and then I ended up, you know, from there, played in a, in a high school band or two and then started playing with bands with people that I met after it and just never really stopped. Yeah, and um, one of those bands uh, you got involved with was a band called Bucket Truck. So uh, how did you get involved with uh, those guys? Oh, my God. They were, jeez, we're jumping way back now. We're talking, this is like 1996 is where you're jumping back to now. Oh, wow. Uh, that was actually the year I was born. Yeah, yeah. So that's the year we started that band. And we were all just like kids. And um, to, and I just had like, I was just friends with a couple of them. Um, you know, the drummer and I had been friends since we were like in grade 10. And uh, the guitar player and I, same thing. Just He was the guy that I met at the arcade in the mall. And uh, so anyway, at some point we decided it was time we should start a band together. We would all had played in a couple other bands, just little ones that, uh, you know, I'd only played a couple shows each or something. Um, and yeah, yeah, we just decided to get together and start a band. And what was funny was we ended up, we got our singer out of, uh, the guitar player put an ad in the Telegram. Oh, wow. And didn't, didn't tell us he did it. Like, he didn't tell anybody else in the band he was doing this. <laughs> but he put an ad in the Telegram for a singer. And we 
and standing, we ended up getting a whole bunch of like demo tapes from different people. And from those demo tapes came Matt Wells, the eventual lead singer. Of oh, Black wow. And so we didn't know him. Like he came, the rest of us were all friends, but he came, came at us as a, just a guy who applied to an ad in the, in the newspaper. That is <laughs> crazy. so funny to me now. Yeah. yeah. Pretty small world, huh? You find your leads here in, in an ad post in the Telegram. And uh, you actually went on to release, uh, looking here, I believe, uh, three albums. And uh, you were on uh, Sextant Records and Kansas Con Records. And then uh, you were on your own uh, label, Bucket Truck Records. Um, you also reunited at Iceberg Alley uh, this past June um, of 2022. Uh, what was it like to just get back on stage again and play together? It was the most fun thing ever. Like, I, I can't really say it any other way. It was, I think, I, I don't know if everybody felt it, but I was a bit apprehensive when we first got the call because I was kind of like, I hadn't played with the boys in 20 years. You know, they, they as a band had, hadn't played, played in 15 years. And, uh, but I had uh, stopped playing with the band five years before that even. So for me, it had been 20 years since I played with these guys. And I was really nervous. Like, the music is not easy to play. It's a very complicated, uh, heavy, very, like, you know, hard riff-based rockin' band. And uh, I was kind of like, can we all still pull this off? You know, like, the drums for this are very intense. The guitars are very intense. The singing is, like, basically all screaming and yelling. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, as a bunch of guys who are now mid-40s, can everybody like do this still you know and uh, i mean i'm i'm 48 so i'm even older than, than some of these guys are and i was kind of like can we all still pull this off anyway we got in had our rehearsals and it was the best fun and we also had people had to come from away like it was like our guitar player lives in new york now uh, the other guitar player lives in sweden um our drummer had been in la uh for the last like number of years but just kind of came back and during covid had kind of moved back to town temporarily mm-hmm. so he just happened to be in town which was nice and matt the singer had just moved home after living in uh, toronto for 15 years as well and so it's like we all weren't connected we hadn't really been hanging out as much and in some instances had barely spoke in years and years and suddenly we were all in the same room together again and it was like no time had passed we had such a great time yeah uh, both all like like the month of rehearsals was a great time and then the show itself was just perfect in all honesty I, like we had we couldn't have asked for a better experience than playing that show yeah, for sure. Now, um, one of the other bands that you were involved with uh, around like the two thousand, the early two thousands, was a band called uh, Winter Sleep, and um, that is a band based out of uh, Nova Scotia. Of course, that that's where you were born to, but of course, you were raised here in Newfoundland. Um, How did you uh, get involved with uh, those guys, Winter Sleep? Well, oddly enough, Bucket Truck was living in Halifax. Oh, wow! So, for the first uh, five years first four three or four years i think the band existed bucket truck i'm talking about we were here in st john's and then uh we all moved to halifax and so we were renting in a rehearsal space and in the very next room was these two bands called contrived and carry uh who were these two amazing nova scotia bands and there was basically one wall between us as we were both as we all be down rehearsing all the time and so because of that we all became friends and so I became friends with this Carrie and Contrived bands. And and they decided they were, members of each of those two bands were now starting a third band called Winter Sleep. And they asked me if I wanted to play bass. And so that's how that kind of happened. Um, you know, and if we all hadn't been in that same rehearsal space, I don't know if we all would have become buddies. And so, you know, I probably never, Winter Sleep would have happened anyway because they were all friends long before. But mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever, ever would have ended up in that, that, that particular band. Yeah, that that's pretty crazy. To, of course, you were known for uh, playing in those kind of bands. But uh, what I've come to know you for is all the designs you do for the various albums that you've worked on um, for the good part of uh, two decades plus. Uh, right in front of me here, I believe you worked on the Peace Accord 96 design and uh, the Punter's uh, Will You Wait. But I want to find out from you, uh, what was the very first album that you uh, had work in uh, designing? Um, the very first, it was oddly enough, not even an album, it would have been a cassette. So the very first cassette I ever would have designed was for, oddly enough, it was a Halifax band, even though I lived here. Um, it was a band called Static. 
And oh, wow. it was the guy who became the bucket truck guitar player, uh, Mike Riscala. This was his band he had in high school. And we were friends, and he got me to design the tape. And I just had to hand draw because I didn't, I, you know, no, we weren't using computers or anything then. The whole thing was basically just drawn with markers. And, uh, but then it was funny because it came out like he actually basically took the hand drawn thing that I made, had it scanned and sent off. And they, they were selling this cassette when they would play shows and on tour. And, and that was the first thing I ever made. And, and you mentioned the punters a minute ago. Um, the, they were, the punters were the very first paid client I ever had. Oh wow! Uh, and it wasn't it wasn't Will You Wait? It was like they actually hired me to make a tour poster, and that was the first time anybody ever paid me for design. I had been doing design for a while, but it had always just been for friends and family, and mm-hmm. I never got paid for it. It was always just like someone was like, "Oh, Judd knows how to draw. Let's get him to do something." And then the punters manager came along, and it was like I was just so excited because it was the first time anyone was actually offering to me to give me money to do this new skill that I had been like loving and kind of honing. That's crazy to hear that. And um, like 23 years later, you're still uh, doing this and you're killing it. And uh, whenever I get an album now, I look in the liner notes, it said artwork and uh, layout design uh, by Judd Haynes. And it's just so clean. And it's just very easy to read because some of the albums sometimes that I read are not really the, the most clear to read and most uh, design friendly. But you just go like simple, straight and to the point. And it, and it really shows that... Uh, you're really one of the best at it. Oh, thank you. Thanks. <laughs> now, um, why go into album design, and what is it about album designing that uh, you love so much that wants you to that makes you uh, continue doing it? Uh, well, obviously, I just really, 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 really love music, and it's kind of always been my thing since that like day I selected musical performance in grade ten. Music has kind of been my main thing, and there's. I, but I've also always been someone who liked to draw and someone who liked to make art. And so to be able to like create the art that wraps around music is like, you can't get any better. Like to me, someone writes these songs and then pours everything they got into making the best record that they possibly can. And I just love playing a tiny role in the story of that record by getting to create some artwork that now is what people see when they walk into a record store or jump on Spotify, whatever it is. And, uh, and want to like listen to that music. Obviously, the music is the draw. People buy the, these records for the music, not for my artwork. I'm very aware of that. Oh, I'm yeah. very aware that it's not my name on the cover of these records, you know. Um, but I do everything in my power to make something as cool and awesome and fun and representative of that band as possible so that it is something that when it, the fans of that music get it home, they look at it and go like, yeah, this is exactly what I would have liked to have seen for this band. You know, this is the yeah. image that goes perfect with it. Exactly. And I'm um, just going to go over some more of the uh, people that you've worked for. I mean, you worked on with Matt Mays and El Torpedo. You worked with Jill Barber, Jen Grant, Hey Rosetta, one of New Flannel Labrador's biggest bands of the early 2000s and uh, mid-2010s. The Once... Um, Joel Plaskett Emergency, The Fortunate Ones, uh, Joanna Barker. Um, just keep going through here. Sherman Downey, Brianna Goss. Uh, for <laughs> I'll get to this in a moment. Chris Hatfield, uh, The Burning Hell, Shanigan Nuck, and Alan Doyle. But uh, the one that really strikes out to me the most is Blue Rodeo. I mean, you look at that. They're one of the biggest bands to come out of uh, Canada ever. Uh, how did you get involved with Blue Rodeo, and how did they reach out to you? They, oddly enough, saw a poster I had made for City in Color. And uh, I've made a lot of City in Color posters. I think at this point it's like up, up around 25 or 26. Oh, wow. Um, even though I've never designed one of his records, he always hires me to do like tour posters or show posters. And Blue Rodeo uh, saw one of those posters I had made. And I always will like, if it's a tour poster that someone's buying as merch, I'll have like my name very small on the bottom bottom of it somewhere. And I guess they like saw the poster, looked at the bottom, saw my name, looked me up. And then they hired me to make a poster. And it was just for a one-off show in Toronto, at, like the, the like the Budweiser stage like the, the, or the old Molson Amphitheater. Okay. And so they asked me if I would make a poster for this one show they were doing. And I did. And they, uh, they, they seemed to like it. And they wrote me then afterwards and were like, okay, that poster was actually like basically was a test. 
we're we're looking for a, a designer to design our new record, and we kind of like we're thinking you might be that person. And basically, the poster was just a test to see if they both liked what I do, but also liked my approach and how I do things. And we all got along and gelled. And then they hired me to design um, In Our Nature, which was the first record I made for them, and uh, which I fully hand drew the whole thing. Oh wow! And since then, I think I've done five more Blue Rodeo records, plus two solo Greg Keeler records and two solo Jim Cuddy records. So it's been a really, really fun uh, and long-lasting relationship that we've had since. That is incredible, man. Uh, what's it like to have uh, working with Jim Cuddy, Greg Keeler, and Blue Rodeo on your resume? What's it like to have them uh, as someone you've worked with? Like, how does it feel? Uh, I love it, obviously. I super <laughs> love it. It's like, it's kind of funny. They're like my go-to. Uh, I've been a huge fan of them long, long before I ever met them. And like when Winter Sleep used to tour, I remember there'd be like late nights driving the van and myself and Tim, the guitar player, would be sitting up front while the rest of the guys were in the back of the van like asleep and it's like 3 a.m. and we would have Blue Rodeo records on and we would just be like singing our hearts out up in the front <laughs> of the van. So it's a band that like I've been a fan of for a long time. Um, and having them there, it's funny, they're kind of my go-to band. Like when someone asks me like what I do, or who my client, who I do work for, or anything like that. Like a stranger, you know, you sit next to some stranger on the airplane, and they're like, "Oh, so what do you do?" And it's like I can pretty much always just say, "Well, you know, I'm a graphic designer, and I I designed like the last like half a dozen Blue Rodeo records." <laughs> and people, their eyes light up every time. It's like it's like a go-to perfect conversation starter of like people are just like everyone knows who that band is, and. Uh, and, and everyone loves them, so it's kind of like been really, really nice. It's been nice for me to have that band that you know everyone one can latch onto. Absolutely, my friend. Now, um, uh, you've also worked uh, for the likes of. Uh, I want to go back to Chris Hadfield for a second, because of course, uh, Chris Hadfield was, uh, of course, uh, one of the one of the first uh, new uh, first Canadians, I should say, uh, in uh, many years to go up to space. And he worked on his uh, album design for the Space Sessions album. Uh, what was it like working with Chris Hatfield? Uh, I feel like I just keep saying the word amazing over and over again during this entire conversation. But yeah, obviously working with Chris Hatfield was absolutely amazing. <laughs> it's <laughs> like he flew down here and we got to meet in person and chat about the record. And, you know, we spent an hour and a half or so just talking about music and art. And it was the coolest you know, it was like not many people get to have that experience. And here I was. And yeah, working on that whole record was so cool. I mean, that's the first piece of art that was made in space that the general public can buy. You know, like, it's like he went up there and recorded a record on the space station, brought it down here. I got to design and like I drew the cover for that. And then I got to like design the whole layout. And then it came out in stores. And now it's like, here's a piece of art that was made the music being the art, not not what I made, uh, made up on the space station, and now everyone can go out and buy it. It's just, I don't know, super cool. <laughs> that project has been, of all the records I've ever worked on, that has been the one that people go the most crazy about because of the attachment to Chris Hadfield, of course. Oh, yeah. It's like, like I've worked on other records that I bet you have even probably even sold more copies because the bands are bigger as far as being a band. Um, I've worked on other records that are like, you know, they're, they might be more of a band that, like, I would even listen to on a daily basis, like, you know, like some punk bands or some kind of, like, like harder bands and all that. But it's just really funny that that Chris Hadfield record is the one that, like, everybody latches onto the most. Absolutely. Um, now, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is your favorite album that you have ever designed and why? You know what's funny is my favorite record I've ever designed is for a St. John's band. Um it's for a local group um, called Terra, and who are they only have one record out so far. They're working on a second record now because uh, uh, Richard, the guy who like fronts the band, contacted me recently and said he'd like to hire me for this one as well. And yeah, it's just a, a band for this uh, or a record story for this local group. And I, I did something really, really drastically different on that record than I've ever done before. And I basically worked in like collage with uh, like a pile of tape 
and uh, like I just made all these strips of like mask and tape and different kinds of tape. And I don't know. I, 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 it's hard to explain like the visual aspect of it, you know, just over a, a audio only conversation. But um, I don't know. I did, I did something really different on that record than I've done on any other record I ever did. And I just love it. And I don't know. It's always been my, my favorite, favorite one. Even though it's a record that doesn't have a record label, doesn't have any distribution, like you probably could only ever get it at Fred's. I know you can get it at Fred's now because I saw it there a couple of weeks ago, and uh, but it's probably only available in St. John's, Newfoundland, and I don't know. That kind of makes it even more more special to me. <laughs> For sure. Um, is your office just like all the albums and posters and logos you've ever designed in your room? Just you know, like, hey, look at all the work that look at all the work that I've done. I mean, I've made a pretty good uh, career for myself. It's funny because I have two. I have two workspaces. I have uh, uh, my girlfriend Krista. And I have kind of a loft space at home that uh, we work out of sometimes. Uh, it's where I do most of my my work. And uh, we also have a, a studio space on Water Street. Um, that's kind of like a big loft space that we share with a couple other artists. And she works out of that space those days. And there are a few of the posters that I designed um, up on the wall in that space downtown because we will have clients meet us there sometimes. So it's nice having some of your work on the wall when they walk in. Um, and, you know, you can talk about different styles of things and I can actually, like, point to something and show them, like, yeah, like, I'm thinking something like this or thinking something like that. But at home, not so much. But I do try to keep a copy of every record I've ever made. Oh, yeah. And Which I don't have. There have been some that I just haven't been able to get over the years. Uh, because a lot of times I'm making records for bands that don't live here, and maybe the records never even land in the store here, and uh, or they're very short run. There'll be a record that maybe there's only 300 copies of, and they come out and they all sell out immediately, and then I never ended up getting one. But so I too, but at home, sitting right next to where I am now, is kind of my record rack full, and a large portion of it is the the records that I've made over the years. That is awesome. Now, um, I did ask you what your favorite album you have ever designed was. Um, I want you to tell me now, who was your favorite artist that you've ever worked for? Oh, my God. Like, musically or as people? Uh, let's go musically, because, of course, this is the Musical Connections podcast. Uh, who was your favorite artist that you've ever worked with uh, on designing an album for? Oh, my God. It's so hard. <laughs> it, uh, yeah, that would be almost impossible. Um, probably The Burning Hell. If I had to pick, uh, I love their music and I love them as people. Uh, so they are like every they hit every check mark for me. They're like the most wonderful people, and their record, their music is the most amazing. And everything about the way they operate as a band and a business is like they just do everything exactly right. As far as I'm concerned, they they're the best. Yeah, uh, I think the key word of this interview is just amazing because uh, out, out of all the projects you've described and all the work that you've done. You described it in one word. Amazing. But say it more, man. Say it loud and proud. <laughs> yes. Now, um, one of the other art people that you worked with uh, on was uh, Mary Walsh. Now, Mary Walsh uh, now has a series uh, on 5TV1 called uh, The Mrs. Downstairs. But in 2017, you worked on uh, uh, Christmas Fury, uh, Hatching, Matching, and Dispatching. Uh, what's it like working with uh, someone the, the with the profile of Mary Walsh? Uh, it's super fun. I mean, it's funny because with Mary, she's been, like, I've been a friend of hers for uh, definitely a, more than 20 years now. Wow. And um, she actually, like, her Mark Delahunte character was in a bucket truck video from, like, like, like the year 2000 or 2001 or something like that. And, uh, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. So um, I've, I've, been, I've worked on so many different things with her. Like, even that Mrs. Downstairs you just mentioned, I designed the logo for that show. Um, the same as I, you know, designed the Son of a Critch logo. I also designed the Mrs. Downstairs one. And um, but yeah, I love working with Mary. It's always really fun. We always collaborate on all sorts of fun things. She could, she doesn't get me involved in every project she works on, but she gets me involved in a lot of them. And it's always a really good good time. Yeah, and uh, let's actually uh, change gears here and actually go to the show that's really become a a cult classic here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And of course, it's produced here in Newfoundland and Labrador. And, of course, I'm also a volunteer at VOWR, and it's also one of the shooting locations there, Son of a Critch. It's currently in Season 2 right now. You, you designed a logo for that. And you've also designed a brand-new T-shirt design uh, 
for the show. Uh, what's it like working with uh, Mark Critch and uh, especially the crowd like uh, who were involved with the show, like uh, Claire Rankin and Malcolm McDowell and Benjamin uh, Evan Ainsworth? Uh, what's it like working with the Son of a Critch crew? I've never the, Mark's the only actor on the show I've ever met. Um, I've talked back and forth with uh, young Mark uh, Riviera, who um, he plays plays Richie Perez on the show. Um, we've 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 talked on Instagram a couple times, uh, but I, the rest of the crowd, I've, I've, again, I've known I know Mark Rich, but I don't know the rest of them personally. I just kind of go through working with the, the producers and with Mark on the things that I've made. But it's been so fun. I, the fact that I love the show is such a huge bonus. Like. Uh, you know, when they were first working on it, I, I had read the book. I had read Mark's Son of the Critch book, and I loved it. And so it was getting asked to do the logo for the show was really exciting for me. But then since then, I've been doing a bunch more, and I've actually got a pile of more stuff coming out for Son of the Critch very soon that I can't talk about quite yet. But it's funny because in only one week from now, I will be able to talk about it. And um, <laughs> I'm very, very excited. There's a whole new little wave of things about to come out with my artwork for Son of a Fridge. And uh, yeah, can't wait to show you those. Oh, I can't wait to see it. And uh, I think this may come out uh, the week uh, that, that this does get released. But um, it's great to see uh, that show really become a cult classic. And of course... Uh, I'm also a volunteer and on-air personality at VOWR, and just to have them use the studio as one of the uh, locations, because VOWR is one of the only radio stations in Newfoundland that looks like an old radio station that can really, you know, go back to 1986 and 1987 where VOCM looked like that, but now VOCM is very modern, and so are many of the other commercial radio stations, but VOWR still has that charm that makes it so unique and uh, such a, a popular radio station for many of the listeners here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I love it. I wasn't aware that that's where they were shooting the radio scenes. That's so cool. I actually got to meet right, the, uh, right, right. the guy who plays Dick Dumphy. Uh, his name is Richard Clarkin. And uh, it was just great to see uh, how much work and detail goes into uh, you know producing scenes for that TV show. It's awesome. Yeah, I got to go. Before I made the logo, I asked if I could go on set and see the set. And, uh, and so it was really fun. I got to go and check out the entire stage set of the house and like walk around every room and, you know, sit in the furniture and kind of absorb the color palettes they were working with and, you know, all the, the, the tapestry, the furniture and everything. But then it happened to be the same day they were also filming the, uh, like the last episode of season one where, um, Mark and Richie and Fox go to the fair, like the, uh, the, like Tom, Thompson amusement fair or whatever. And, uh, so I got to go there too and watch it and spend the day like watching them shoot all those outdoor scenes. And like you say, there's so much effort that goes into making it just right and making it feel natural. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's a wonderful little thing. I hope the show goes for many, many seasons and I hope it gets picked up like all over the world as it's already starting to happen. Like it's already been translated into other languages and starting to appear in other, other countries. So that's very, very cool. Yeah, and it's pretty insane to think how far that show has gone uh, in the past two years or so. And uh, just, like, for the fact that, like, uh, it really is one of my favorite shows uh, on TV right now. And uh, TV these days is not what it used to be because everyone uh, streams uh, their shows, uh, whether it's on their laptop or on their phone. Um, but just to have some people sit in front of a TV and then watch uh, the journey of young Mark uh, becoming uh, the man he is today... It's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Now, um, of course, you, you did say that you were working on some more content for Son of a Critch. I'd imagine you're also working on some more content for uh, many other bands that have albums that are coming out in 2023. Uh, what are some other projects that you're uh, having the works uh, right now? Uh, well, announcing very soon, like I think in the next week or so, uh, there's a woman from New Brunswick named Jessica Ray, and she's also an incredible graphic designer <laughs> and uh so working with her was very intimidating because she's she's so talented on her own right and um but i collaborated on artwork with her and uh, for her new record and so that's coming out uh, really soon it's not out in the world yet but it will be and um evelyn jess newfoundland artist i just did artwork for her new album and it's all like hand drawn so i got to like uh, kind of take out my my drawing things and and get to work on that so that was a pretty fun one and uh yeah i've got a few few others in the tank that i'm working on i just just last night was asked i, I can't say this band yet but i was 
there's a band I worked with years ago. I only did one record for them. And they've put out a couple of records since um, with other people. And they just came back to me and wrote me and asked if I'd be willing to work on their new album. So I'm going to do that. And I'm really excited because uh, it's been a few years since I, I connected with them. That is wonderful. Now, um, of course, uh, you also got a podcast out yourself. And I just mentioned right at the very top that uh, you're a podcaster yourself. And uh, the name of yours is called Art Design Music. And just some of the names you have here, Aaron Draplin, uh, Paul... Uh, Sure, who's worked with uh, John Prine and Cheap Trick. Michelle Holmes worked with uh, Bruce Springsteen and ACDC. Um, uh, Mets drummer Hayden Menzies, who's also worked with Blink-182. Um, uh, how has that project been going on for you? Because uh, you wrapped up the first season uh, about a... I don't know how, when you wrapped it up, but um, you put a season in for that podcast already. Uh, what's it like working on that project? It's really fun. It's kind of a dream gig for me. It's a podcast that I kind of hope someone else would make. Uh, basically a podcast where like the, for folks who have no idea what we're talking about, um, it's a podcast about the visual artists who create work for the music industry. So essentially folks like myself, but the big ones, like way bigger than me. So it's like, I'm talking to, uh, music video directors, graphic designers, um, album cover illustrators or tour poster illustrators and um, like set designers for shows and uh, just uh, even like some some rock photographers oh wow and and so it's basically been like uh, looking at like my favorite work been made by the like you know my the best looking record covers my favorite tour posters ever made and then tracking down the people who made them and asking them all these questions about the project, but also about their careers and kind of how they got to work with these big bands. And so I've had like the guy on there, uh, Gerard Huerta, who designed the first ACDC logo, like the lo- like the logo they use now. He's the guy who made the ACDC logo. Oh wow! And uh, but he also made like the HBO logo and like the Blue Oyster Cult logo and like People Magazine, Time Magazine, like all these. Like he he did all this incredible work. Still works now and is is in the seventies now. And, but it was really fun. I got to talk to him about working with ACDC in the early days and creating album covers for them, but also creating this iconic logo that has been used millions and millions of times. And then the very next episode, I talked to the woman who designed all of ACDC's work now. So we jump ahead 40 years. And it was really fun getting to like bookend that story of like talking to who they had when they were in their 20s and now talking to who they use now. And it, this woman was amazing because she also, like you mentioned a second ago, she also works with Bruce Springsteen. She's designed every Bruce Springsteen record for the last 20-plus years. And so it was amazing getting to talk to her and find out, hey, how did that happen? Like, how do you end up working with these people? Um, but then I've just been bouncing around. Like, I, 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 my favorite tour poster artists on the planet, I've been able to talk to a bunch of them. And like, say, this woman in England I talked to, Jeanette Beckman, she's a photographer. And she worked in the early days. She grew up in England, so she started shooting like all the punk scene of the 70s. And she shot like The Clash, The Sex Pistols, The Police, all these bands, Susie and the Banshees. And then she moved to New York right around the same time that hip-hop was exploding in the 80s. And she ends up shooting salt and Pepper and LL Cool J and NWA. And like she just becomes like shooting all the hip-hop artists of both the East Coast and the West Coast in, in the U.S. And she's kind of been at the cusp of all these burgeoning music genres that like are brand new to the world. She's right there with her camera. And so it's just really cool getting to talk to these people and experience it. So I'm currently working on season two and I've got a pile of different people that are lined up that I'm talking to for that one. And hopefully those will be coming out uh, some point later on this, this, this year. Awesome, man. I definitely need to check out the podcast, and uh, that <laughs> sounds really, really exciting. I'll definitely need to check it out. But, um, of course, uh, for anybody who wants to get into the music sector, um, what advice would you give someone looking to uh, pursue a career in the music sector? kind of depends what it is you want to do. Um, I mean, I really feel like mentoring, like job shadowing, like being an assistant and helping someone else you know, finding someone else who does what you want to do and learning from them is a really key way to learn. Uh, and also the fact that like so much, of uh, so many people, you know, people can only work for so long. We only live for so long. So it's like some of these, uh, older folks who've been working in the industry for decades 
have all this incredible experience and knowledge to pass on and and they need to do it at some point because it's like at some point they're going to want to retire and relax and there needs to be a next generation to keep all these things going so if you know somebody who uh, is an artist manager or is a booking agent and they'd be willing to like show you how to do it and like take you on as an assistant or a mentor that would be amazing um for me how i got into it was because i played music myself and so i because i liked to dabble with graphic design and eventually i did go to school for graphic design i um would start out just making stuff for my own bands and then that led to making stuff for my friends bands and you know up until that day i got a call from the punters i basically was just doing stuff for family and friends but then one day i started doing paid stuff and then it all just kind of slowly keeps filtering out um if you do want to do like i do where it's kind of more of an art and design for music kind of thing uh having your stuff online is massive like creating work and then sticking it on the internet so that people can see it uh and then they then they can see that you can do the work like just proving that that you can do the job uh is a big one so for me like i get so much of my work just by like posting on instagram you know and i'll Mm-hmm. put a new project on Instagram, you have no idea who's seeing that. It could be only a handful of people or it could be hundreds or thousands of people. And so, you know, every time I make a new project I'm proud of, I post it on Instagram. And usually that leads to more work. I get my next job from my last job and it just keeps on going that way. Yeah, so it's kind of like a snowball effect in that way. Uh, one per- one person sees it and then uh, it leads to more people seeing it and then eventually gets to uh, another job. Absolutely. Well, you know what's funny? Because earlier I mentioned how Blue Rodeo found me because they saw a city and color poster. And um, Chris Hadfield found me because of Blue Rodeo. Oh, wow. So it's like it's like if I hadn't done city and color posters, I never would have worked for Blue Rodeo. If I hadn't done work for Blue Rodeo, I never would have worked for city and color. Or for uh, Chris Chris Hadfield, sorry. And so, yeah, it is. like It's, a, it's totally a snowball. That is insane, man. Well, uh, that is actually a great way to wrap up here. It's been so fun to have you on Musical Connections, Judd, uh, to go over your career from, uh, you know, starting out as a bassist with Bucket Truck and playing with Winter Sleep to doing all the work for many bands, not just locally, uh, but but provincially and nationally, and also doing stuff for uh, many uh, actors and TV shows and other festivals. I mean, when, when people go and see a poster or look at an album, they're just going to look at the liner notes and say, hmm, that's a Judd Tane's designed album. And uh, I'm super happy with uh, how far you have come uh, in the past two decades. And I'm super excited to see what you've got coming up uh, over the course of 2023. So, uh, Judd Haynes, thank you so much for joining me on the Musical Connections podcast. You have a wonderful day. And uh, congratulations once again on your Juno nomination. Thanks so much. This was really fun. Such an amazing conversation with Judd Haynes. You can go to his podcast, Art Design Music, on Apple Music and Spotify and wherever you get your podcast. And uh, it's such a small world as two podcasters talk to each other. So uh, once again, congratulations to Judd on the Juno nomination. I'm rooting for you, buddy. And I'm also rooting for these guys as well. He also worked on the layout for this album here. From That Was You and Me, here are the fortunate ones with Day to Day on the Musical Connections podcast. Alarm clock howls, I find my legs Crawl down the stairs and fry my eggs I'm wide awake most every night And gone again before the light You leave the porch light humming and wait up for me half the night I come home with this invisible weight That I cannot articulate And all the while you're growing tired Of my woe is me so uninspired I'm learning to find my way on the mistakes I've made Hoping to finally say I 
found some meaning in the day to day. Was it something that I said or did? Or won't you tell me true? Don't you keep it here? I'm not the smartest or softest man. Give me time and help me understand. I'm learning to find my way. On the mistakes I've made, hoping to finally say I found some meaning in the day to day. If you can carry me through, I'll do the same for you. Of a long working day, I dim the lights and make my way back across the same old streets and up the stairs on tired feet. You ask me how the day has been when the alarm clock gets me up again. We're learning to find our way on the mistakes we've made, hoping to finally say we found some meaning in the day to day. Episode 11 of the Musical Connections podcast. A huge thank you to Judd Haynes, Juno Award nominated graphic designer, for talking with me about his career and uh, the Juno Award itself. So, uh, congratulations to Judd, to the fortunate ones, to Matt Wright, to anyone who was nominated for a Juno from this province. We are certainly rooting for you and um, best of luck in March in Edmonton. And of course, you can find out more about Judd's work by going to juddhaynes.ca. And you can also subscribe to his podcast, Art, Design, Music, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, make sure you subscribe to Musical Connections on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. And make sure to leave a comment there as well, as it helps out the show a lot. That's going to do it for me this week. Thank you so much for connecting. I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, safe home. Thank you.